said, one, I'm really glad you're here tonight. Um, I just, I, I don't believe that we can even come close to just experiencing and celebrating Easter if we don't stop at the cross. Um, that we, we've just, we've got to take the time. I mean, if you ever have a doubt in your mind that God loves you, all you have to do is look at the cross every single time. That, that's all you ever have to do. And so as I said, um, we've been going through this whole series of Jesus' last words on the cross. And we've talked through um, these things of like, why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, forgive them. Let me know as they do. Um, I thirst. Today you'll be with me in paradise. All those are amazing statements. But I believe all my heart that these three words are the most powerful words ever spoken in history. It is finished. These three words change everything for us, changes everything for eternity, changes everything for, for everybody. And, and they're powerful, uh, amazing words. And tonight we're going to kind of dive into those and what those mean to us and what that should look like to us. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 19 for me. John chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible, we have them available. If you're on vacation, you don't bring one, you, you left it at home, grab one of ours. If you don't have one or you want to keep that, put your name in it, it's yours. We'll, we'll get more. Those are there. If you like electronic devices, for some of you, because those papers are really heavy, um, <laughs> and we're always afraid of paper cuts. I know I get looks every time because I love my tablet, but it's funny. Um, we have Wi-Fi here, GBC guests. Just type in find more, all lower caps, and you can join along with us um, that way. But, but, but tonight, as always, um, and these are definitely the only important words that are going to be said tonight. These are the only words that matter. These are the only words that change. These change us. These are the only words that penetrate hearts, that change destinies. Um, my words, not even close. And the only authority I ever have to stand up here and speak to you, either on a tonight or Sunday night or any time, is because of these words. And so out of respect to that and acknowledge that, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we open up God's word and we read. In John 19, starting verse 28. John writes this, he says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Can you pray with me? God, I thank you for tonight. God, I thank you that you allow us to gather, to sing, but most of all, to be in your presence. God, tonight, you, you, don't, you don't need us to sing. You don't need me to preach. But you invite us in. And for the next few moments, God, We're going to look and remember, Lord, what you did for us. God, I pray that it would so move us tonight that every day we would think about it. That we wouldn't wait till Easter or Christmas or some holiday, but every day we would think about it. 
God, that, that even in tonight, in the, just the few moments that we have, God, that you would take your word, and that you would penetrate our hearts, and that tonight you would change us. God, that we would be different because we're in your presence. Tonight, I pray, God, that these are your words, not mine. What I have to say means nothing. What you have to say means everything. So God, just speak. God, let us have the courage to look deep within ourselves. God, to see the things that you're pointing out and to hand them over to you. God, I pray for ears to hear, for hearts to respond. And I pray you would just have your way. God, I pray for things to happen in such a way tonight that you're the only one that can get get the credit. That no one will walk out of here saying, what great music, what a great sermon. But we would all walk out and say, what a great God. Overwhelm us tonight. And we give you the praise and the glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So out of all the things that Jesus said, I really don't think there was anything more altering than those words. It is finished. And matter of fact, those words, it's not actually three words. We, we read it in our Bibles and we say, it is finished. That's cool. It's finished. But it's not three words. It's actually only one word. It's a Greek word called tetelestai or tetelestoi, depending on how you want to do it. Don't get me in Greek class again. It was, it was, I still have nightmares about Greek class. But tetelestai. On that cross as he was hanging there when everything was done. When everything was finished. He had looked at the thief and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He had looked at the people that had beaten him and abused him and lied about him and spat on him and said, Father, forgive them for they know what they've done. He had felt the full weight of our sin upon him and the separation from God and cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? And after all of that, in the midst of it, he yells out, Tadalestai, it is finished. In fact, that word just simply means complete or the discharge of a debt. But if you were a Jewish person and you heard that, you might hear a little bit of different things as he cried that out. One of the things they could have heard or they could have kind of described it as is like when a servant, his master had sent him to go do something, he was done. Tell us, die. The job is done. Uh, another time that word might be used is, is of a merchant. is selling his wares and he's doing that. And you owe him money for what he's done. And he goes out, all right, tell us, die. The debt is paid. The most fascinating one to me is when the priest would be there and they would bring the lamb to him for the sacrifice, for Passover. They'd bring the lamb and he would yell, Tadalas die. Sacrifice is perfect. And in that moment, Jesus on that cross yells out, the debt is paid, the job is done, the sacrifice is perfect. That's a lot for three little words, isn't it? That's a lot. The debt is paid. The sacrifice is perfect. The job is done. It is finished. 
So the question might be then, what's 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 finished? <laughs> what well, what exactly is finished, Jesus? What exactly did you do? And, and there's a few things that we are for sure that we know that it, it, it happened. And, and and when Jesus died, when he said it's finished, the very first thing I want you to understand in here is that the first thing he fulfilled was prophecy. That hundreds and hundreds of years before this, people like Isaiah or the writers in Psalms would talk about a suffering servant. They would talk about a man who would be pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. They would prophesy about a man that would be unjustly judged and killed and hung between two criminals. Hundreds and hundreds of years. They would prophesy about, about him being thirsty and them having vinegar, wine vinegar to give him. They would prophesy about the guards casting lots for his clothes. See, by the way, you've seen the Passion of Christ. So most of us, many of us have seen the Passion of Christ. I know there's this whole thing is there's out right now saying, well, it probably really wasn't bad, that bad. That's a person that's never been crucified. <laughs> it was that bad. In fact, it was worse because actually Jesus probably didn't have loincloth. He was probably naked. So the humiliation and everything, and all of that was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years. And so when he said, Father, the job is done, the debt is paid, the sacrifice is perfect, every prophecy that needed to be fulfilled was fulfilled right there. Every single one. But that's not all that's finished. He also finished God's plan. Do you understand that the moment that we fell, the moment that our great, 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 great grandfather and grandmother, all the way back there, Adam and Eve, that we're all like related to, we're all cousins, by the way. Not necessarily kissing cousins. <laughs> but, I mean, by the way, do you know science all records the fact, like genetically, we all go back to one woman? Who's that? Hmm, Bible says Eve. Okay. <laughs> but. When they chose and it was passed on, they're saying, God, I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to be disobedient. I love, I, love, <coughs> I love what you've done with the garden, but I think I can do better. <laughs> and we walked away from God, which we all have. The Bible says, for all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has looked at God and said, God, I can do it better myself. And when that happened in sin and death and in the world, do you understand that at that very moment, God had a plan in place? The moment God walked back into the garden, and I love that he says, where are you? It's like, God, you know. <laughs> and he talks to them, and he says, the judgment, he says, all right, you're out of the garden. But then he looks at Satan and says, listen, one day there'll be a seed of a woman, a child born, and you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And then throughout all the Old Testament, throughout all the history, Again, just pointing to that one day someone was coming. That God had a plan. And when Christ said, it's finished, it's done, job done, God's plan is complete. I mean, that's good news. There's a reason we call this Good Friday. Good is that someone else took my punishment in my place. my penalty my price and by the way tonight i just i just want to say i I don't want i don't want to offend anybody but i really don't care um (laughs) if you think if you think you're good enough i just say good luck because it's in all of us and when christ died on that cross he took it all on in fact i i i just 
I think that was the thing that shook Christ the most. It wasn't the beating and everything. It was that, the idea that all that sin, everything poured down on him. But it was God's plan. Someone had to pay for the wages of sin is death. Someone had to die, and Jesus said, I'll do it. And so God, they, he finished the prophecy, and he finished the plan. But the problem is, tonight, most of the times on Good Friday, we stop there. And we just focus on the cross, and we all feel bad, and we, we shed some tears, and we watch a really gory video, and we leave. And God just kind of led me a different way tonight. See, Jesus' work is done, but we are not. We are, we are not done. We have unfinished business. In fact, in, in Revelation, th- th- there's a warning. In Revelation 3, 2, it says, Wake up and strengthen what, is rem- what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. See, what Jesus did was done. It was finished. It was good. But the problem is, is we have incomplete works. We have things that aren't done, that aren't finished yet, that aren't fixed yet. We have unfinished business. And so often I think we rush through Easter and we show up and we go to church and we dress nice and then we go eat a big ham and we're all good and stuff. And then we don't even think about it. I was thinking about that today. How many times do we actually think about the cross or, or the resurrection? Because I think every Sunday should be a resurrection celebration. I think every day should be a resurrection celebration because our Lord's alive. He died for us, and he's alive now, so every day we should be celebrating that. But the truth is, is, is we have unfinished business. We live in a culture, in a world where so many people start strong. You ever seen them get out, they got great plans, great goals, and they get out there, but they don't finish. And when I look around in, in other churches, and I look around even in our church, in my life, I see so many of us that struggle with, like, man, I started so strong, but I'm not going to finish. See, see, tonight, that's, that's what I want you to just take a moment. I just want you to identify your unfinished business. What, 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 what is your unfinished business? Have you, is there someone you haven't forgiven yet? Is there a relationship that needs to be restored that you just haven't done yet and you haven't worked on yet? Is, is it, have you never finished school? And you're like, man, I really want to finish school and I want to do this and, and stuff. Have you tried to lose weight and like me, you keep finding it? <laughs> Is there someone you want to share your faith with and, and you just haven't done it yet? What's your unfinished business? Identify it. I mean, right now, think about it. You have to write it down. Just think about what's your unfinished business. I, listen, I, I understand about unfinished business. My, one of the greatest blessings of my life and privileges of my life is that I was raised with a very faith-based heritage. I mean, I've, I've got uncles that have been deacons and pastors and cousins that are pastors and missionaries, and I grew up in the church. And so at a very, very young age, man, I met Christ. I was like five years old. I was at a tent. Some guy came up and said, you want Jesus? And he told me about it. I understood. I was like, you. That was great. I spent the next 14 years just going like, yay. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> See, I knew Jesus. I met him, but it wasn't until 19 that I surrendered to him. See, maybe that's some unfinished business. What, what's, what's your unfinished business? 
Because tonight, I, I, I want you to leave with the attitude that I can finish. I can finish strong. And everything, because Christ finished strong, and because he did, we can finish strong. I, I believe that with all my heart. That the cross and the resurrection are just the beginning. I think there's too many people that have gone to church or gone to place, gone to some service and been moved emotionally and walked down an aisle, prayed a little simple prayer, and then nothing has changed. And, and we see it all in our churches and we see it all through our culture. No wonder people like us says, why would I go to church? Why would I trust Jesus? It doesn't look any different. Because I think there's so many of us with unfinished business, and I think God gives us the ability to finish strong. And so I'm going to give you a couple things tonight. How do we do that? In the light of the cross, in the light of what Christ did for us, how do we finish strong? How do we say, job done, when we stand before our God? The very first thing is we've got to make a commitment. I know that sounds really simple, but I mean, it, does, it means everything. We have to make a commitment. Like I said, a lot of us start, but few finish. We live in a culture and everything. Let's, let's keep our options open. You know that? Let's keep, because something better may come along. No wonder the divorce rate is the same in the church as it is out wide, because maybe something better will come along. Let's keep our options open. And, and that's, that, that's what we do. Like, oh, just, just, do, just do this and then do that and do everything. And instead, let, let's make a commitment. Make a commitment to what we're supposed to do. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says, now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. I love that. Not only desire to do well, not only desire to live a life of faith, to do something impactful for God and to change the world or, or whatever, not only desire, but completing it. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. I love models. I've got like a ton of like little pieces of model halfway made. A lot of them have been thrown away. There's so many things that we start and we say, well, I'm going to start this. And maybe at some time we walked in a church and we walked somewhere and someone shared the faith and we accepted that. And it never went any farther than that. It just kind of sat there. Maybe a little bit here, a little bit there. And so tonight, tonight I'm asking you to make a commitment. I don't know what that commitment is. I can't speak for you. And some of you are sitting there like, I've made a commitment. How's it going? <laughs> Can I ask you something? If you follow Jesus, do you look more like Jesus today than you did a year ago? Because if you don't, there's an issue. I believe that with all my heart that we're supposed to grow and change. That actually Christ does transform us. That our attitudes and everything, that that cross means so much that it changes everything about us. See, I think the problem is, is that it's too easy to go back. In 1519, Cortez was sanctioned by the Spanish government to go to the New World to grab all the riches and everything and just to build up. You know, he could keep some, build Spain up, make it into a world power. And so they were all pumped. I mean, Cortez had a bunch of ships, had a bunch of people. They're all, like, singing, and they're, like, chest-bumping. We're like, we're going to the New World. This is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. Well, they got there, and they found out, like, oh, the beaches aren't made of gold. And there are people with spears and stuff like that. And in a very short while, all of Cortez's men started moaning and groaning, saying, we want to go home. We're done. We quit. And so Cortez had a concern for his men, took all the boats, put it in the middle of the harbors, and set them all on fire. There was no going home. 
We're going to finish what we started. What's the boat you need to burn tonight? What, what's, what's the thing that you need to say, no, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to keep going. And that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did in the garden before he was ever tried or arrested, before anything. He was praying. He had his disciples. It's like, hey, just pray with me. I'm struggling. This is going to be hard. I need you to pray with me. And they go to sleep. You know, ever have a friend let you down? So does Jesus. But listen to what he says. He, he's praying and he's like, he says, he prays it three times. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Father, if there's any other way to do this, if there's any way to accomplish your plan, if there's any way to get the job done, then let's do that. But nevertheless, no matter what, your will be done. That moment, Christ may set it in his mind that no matter what, we're going to finish this. I'm going to finish this. And like I said earlier, I, I really believe that at that moment, God revealed and said, this is what's coming. And it wasn't the cross that made him cringe. It wasn't the beatings and all the other things that made him cringe. I think that this holy God, this person that lived a perfect life that never knew sin, saw all the sin that was going to be dumped on him. And said, Father, if there's any other way, but no matter what. Tonight, what's a commitment you need to make? Tonight, maybe it's for the very first time saying, you know what, I know Jesus, but I don't know him. I know he died for me. I know he rose again. I've been to church. I've heard all the stories. I've done all this stuff, but I've never made it real for me. I've never owned it myself. And maybe that's where you need to start, just that initial commitment. God, I just, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to give myself. Maybe you were like a 19-year-old me that just says, man, I've been playing the game for years and years and years. And, and tonight, I just, I surrender. That's my commitment. Maybe it's a different commitment. Maybe it's like, you know what? I keep saying I'm going to read the Bible in a year. I'm going to read it. I'm going to start, and I'm just going to keep reading and keep reading and keep reading, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to I'm going to join a church. I'm going to become part of a local body and, and serve and give myself away and, and do that. Or I'm going to share my faith with other people because I know it's Jesus that saves. It's not me. If you're as freaked out about sharing your faith, chill. You don't have to hang on a cross. Jesus already did it. It's finished. All you have to do is tell the story. Leave the rest to God. Maybe that's the commitment. Whatever it is, it starts with a commitment. It starts with a commitment. And once we make that commitment, this seems so simple. But I, I just I, I believe we overcomplicate. Scripture, I think we overcomplicate church. I think we overcomplicate faith and everything. I, I think God says, no, this is it. It's plain and simple. In fact, I believe that one day we're all going to be in heaven. He's going to pull all the pastors in a room, and Jesus is going to say, when I said church, this is what I meant. And every one of us is going to go, wow, that would have been so much easier. <laughs> I, I, th I think our faith is simple. Love God, love people, tell the story. I, I think that's God's will for your life. That's all we do. And we'll grow in that. But once we make that commitment, all we have to do is we have to start taking the next step. See, the truth is, is the chasm between where we are and where God intends us to be seems so huge sometimes, doesn't it? 
It seems like, man, I'll never get there. I'll never have that prayer life. I'll never have that faith life. I won't witness. I won't. It's so big. I can't even stretch that far. I can't get that far. You ever seen a baby start learning to walk? Good. You shouldn't yet. But for the rest of us, have you ever seen, like, when my daughters were learning to walk, it was never like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was like, boom, fall down. Boom, fall down. It was baby steps. There's this great movie way back when called What About Bob with Bill Murray in it. I'm not, I'm not endorsing it or anything because it's got some language, but it's really funny. Um, <laughs> but, but the whole thing is like, I just need to take baby steps baby steps that's that's all we need to do you just take a step in the right direction you take a step towards god you say step a step towards the commitment of reading scripture it's a step towards sharing your faith it's a step towards being a part of a local body a step whatever the step is you just take the step and just little steps and the cool thing is god meets us right there because the honest truth is if the moment you got saved god said this is where you're going to be in 20 years and what I'm going to do with you, none of us would leave from where we were. I promise you, at 19, when I said, God, I surrender, I'm not going to play this game more. And he says, listen, when you're 50 years old, you're going to start a church in a place where nobody wants to start a church. Have fun. I would have said, I'm a Buddhist. <laughs> God doesn't show us all because he knows he can't help. And so we take those steps and he meets us. Listen, this is what the psalmist says. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. But the thing about God's word is it lights the next step. It doesn't always light the way all the way down. You and I, Jesus finished the job. So what do we do with that? We take the next step, whatever that is. It's so heartbreaking to me to see so many people that claim to know Jesus and yet live in such pitiful, powerless, hopeless lives because all they've done is like, I met Jesus, but they've done nothing with it. They've seen the cross, they had an emotional turn, but then they did nothing with it. What's your next step? It may be a huge step. It may be a huge step of faith. God may be saying, I want you to just jump out there and catch me. I mean, it's like Indiana Jones standing on that line and just, whoop, ripping, ripping cords out of things and paying for new equipment. Um, you know, in, in that movie where he just steps out and the ground's solid, and maybe that's that big, huge step, and maybe that is. Maybe God's saying, I want you just to get rid of everything and trust me. That's scary crazy. But... God already owns everything, so if he says to do it, I remember our big step, we were in a church. I got a salary. I had health benefits. It was good. I was not senior pastor. So when people complain, it's like, you should talk to the senior pastor about that. <laughs> and I got to go back to my office. <coughs> it was wonderful. And then God said, hey, I want you to plant a church. My God, I think you were talking to him. No, I want you to plant a church. And so... That was our step. I'm glad. It ain't easy, but man, it's fun. 
I get to preach, and y'all got to sit here and listen. This is just, my daughter's never sat long this long for me, so <laughs> what's, what's your next step? See, the thing is, is whatever that step is, God's going to be with you through it. Christ finished on the cross so that we could have that relationship with him. So every step we can go, and I promise you, whatever he starts in you, he's going to finish. It's a guarantee you. Paul writes in Philippians 1.6, he says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, which means whatever God started in you, he's going to finish. And your choice is, is if you get to go with him willingly or kicking and screaming, but he's going to finish. Every step, every movement, everything. We, we follow a sovereign God that from the beginning of time knew that someone was going to have to die, sacrifice his own son, rose him from the dead, and said, I give you everything you need to do to be successful and be exactly who I made you to be. And all you got to do is just step, and I will finish what I start. It's a promise. It's a guarantee in blood. Signed by a cross and notarized by an empty tomb. See, Jesus finished it all on the cross for us. I know that's what we usually expect on Good Friday. Let's just talk about the cross. But if we don't talk about what you're going to do with the cross, then this is a waste of time. finished it all because what he did we can finish because of what Christ completed when he says it is paid in full debt is paid job is done the perfect sacrifice has been taken place taken care of it never has to happen again it is all done once and for all never again because he did that we can finish it. All through the rest of the New Testament, as you read Paul a lot, all you read about is running a race. Finish the race. Finish the race. Finish well. Finish strong. Cross that finish line. Finish, finish, finish. That's, that's all we hear. And all that takes is one step at a time. Listen, I'm down to maybe once a year I run a half marathon. And I can't do it unless my buddy's like there, like beside me pushing me. Because I just say, because anything over 13.1 miles, I believe God had created Uber. <laughs> so uh, so at, at like at 12 miles, I'm not running. Especially this past year, at 12 miles, I'm sitting there just going, one more, one more, one more. No, no one says you have to be the best and the greatest thing. It just says you need to take a step and finish strong. Because that's what Christ did. He finished strong. He was our model. He was our example. He was our Lord. He was our Savior. He was our friend. He was everything. That's why Paul can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not through ourselves. We can't do anything on our own. It is Christ. Do you understand? If you're here Easter morning, we're going to talk about this idea of the resurrection and how we miss it. Oh, that, that was just that was just the end of a beginning. That the same power that rose Christ that is the same power that indwells us when we accept Christ. That Holy Spirit fills us with that same power that defeated death fills us. And so there's nothing that we can't finish. There's nothing we can't do because Christ finished it all. 
Maybe tonight you're sitting there going, yeah, but I don't know if Jesus understands what I'm going through. Let me ask you, ever been betrayed? Jesus has. Ever been rejected? Jesus has. Ever been forsaken? Jesus has. Wounded? Jesus has. Crucified? Jesus has. And by the way, all of that was predicted hundreds of years ago. He did it all. He finished everything. And so the question tonight is, is what do you do with it? What's your next step? Easter's coming up. Is that just a time? We're just going to show up, have our Easter celebration. We're going to be good. And then everything goes back to normal. Or are you going to start finishing strong? Are you going to start making a commitment? I love Matthew Henry. Great theologian. Said this. He said, come and see the victories of the cross. Christ's wounds are thy healing. His agonies, thy repose. His conflicts, thy conquest. His groans, thy songs. His pain, thine ease. His shame, thy glory. His death, thy life. His suffering, thy salvation. All of that on the cross. And because of the victory there, we have victory in this life. And forevermore. So why don't we live for Jesus? Why don't we let the cross change us? See, the cross paid for our sins. The resurrection gave us life. Not just to sit around and think about it once a year. It is finished. The hard work is done. What are we going to do in response? What are we going to do? the shift you need to burn tonight and then start living for Jesus because if we don't change it if that isn't changing then it's a waste of time 